of shit. Yeah, you know how we do. Uh, uh, this is more than you can chew. I made a theme song of creamed with jeans on. I'm the original Don Juan. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I'm wearing a green thong. I exploded a time bomb. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. I named my cat Dong. Put an egg on my ramen. I made a theme song. I fucking made a theme song. Didn't plan it to be this long. Turns out everything rhymes with song. I made a theme song. I made a theme song. Swallowed my long johns. These lyrics are mad strong. I fucking made a theme song. All that she wants is another podcast. She's gone tomorrow, boy. All that she wants is another podcast. Hey, hello. Welcome to the show. More than you can chew. I'm your host, Tiffany Moore. Here we go. This is my third time recording this fucking episode. Because... Uh, to be brutally honest, I've been smoking too much pot lately, the past couple of weeks. Um, and I, I still, as a 41-year-old woman, don't understand moderation in many aspects of my life. And I'm looking for ways to try to teach myself discipline in many manners because... No one is teaching me any discipline at this fucking point. So I have to take matters into my own hands and try to adult myself. Um, I can barely take care of myself, clearly. But I've been smoking too much pot the past couple of weeks. And for me, it has this reverse effect. Many people who start smoking pot later on in their life, I'm talking like 30s, late 30s, 40s, um, and this is your first time, it's going to cure anxiousness for you, most likely, certain strains, and create a very euphoric feeling for you. Um, and it can be quite an enjoyable experience. Uh, if you are, if you have a, a, a what many therapists have told me is an addictive personality and you've been doing hard drugs all of your life and have been smoking pot since you were 13, it, it tends to create a different um, experience. It's a different atmosphere, let's say. So when I started smoking again, Honestly, ideally, I would take a few puffs before bed to help me sleep or not smoke at all. That would that would be ideal. Um, but I do live in this reality. I am uh, a, a, I am someone who cares about things. I am someone who cares about the injustices of the world. Um, I, I am simply someone who gives a fuck about things that are happening in my current reality. And um, 
a lot of times that leaves me no choice but to escape in some way. And fucking everybody has their vice. Everybody has their vice. I'm not going to sit here and beat myself up over it. Like I'm not picking pills out of a toilet anymore and taking them again. That was so 20 years ago. Um, but yeah, I, I still find myself getting into these places where pot no longer is making me feel euphoric. It does when I, you know, take a break from it and then I come back. It's always like this euphoric feeling that I just crave all the time and then I smoke too much and then it does the exact opposite where I start getting more paranoid and I start getting more anxious. And a lot of times this is only happening for long-term users who are using like every single day constantly, you know, they've been using for years and years. It sounds weird to even say using with marijuana because it makes it sound like, oh shit, you're like, just that whole connotation of it. But, um, yeah, so it, it causes me to get more inside my head. It, it really stirs up feelings of dread. It makes me focus more on things I'm already feeling anxious about, things I'm already worrying about. It just heightens all of those things for me. But I tell myself, I fucking tell myself, that it's going to relieve me of anxiety and it's going to make me feel better and it's going to make me feel more euphoric, but it fucking doesn't. It doesn't. And if it does, it's for a very short period of time until I just fucking forget what moderation is and I just find myself smoking, you know, constantly all day. So yeah, um, I felt this feeling of dread and I was like, my fucking period is over. Like, what is this anymore? And I was just like, oh yeah, I should probably like not be smoking so much. So last night I decided I'm going to take a break. You have to, uh, uh, the mind of an addict, you, you can't commit to anything. It always has to be like either in hour increments or daily increments. Like I can't sit here and say like, I'm going to quit for a week or a month. Like that's just not a possibility in my head. That's too terrifying. So you have to do these baby steps every time. Like, I need a fucking break from this shit. So I do these baby steps of like, okay, I'm just not going to smoke, you know, today. I'm not going to smoke tonight. I'm not going to smoke tomorrow. And then you go through these things where you absolutely will not be able to fall asleep at all unless you take a few puffs of like a fucking indica or something. That's the only way I'm going to fall asleep or else I'm up for like three days straight. And then when I quit and I finally do get to a point, it takes like at least a week usually for me not to have at least like a few puffs before I want to go to sleep. Like last night I gave it till about 3.30 in the morning and I was like, fuck it. I have to, like, I have to get some fucking sleep. So I took a few puffs and, um, so yeah, it'll take about a week usually of that to finally get to a point where like, okay, I think I can fall asleep on my own, but sometimes it's way longer. Sometimes it's a couple weeks, sometimes it's a month and you just ride this fucking choppy ass roller coaster of marijuana to try and get to a point where you're just like, hey, maybe I could just fall asleep on my own now. 
and maybe I can just, you know, deal with life in a way. Because I, there's never a point where I feel like life is such a burden or I can't handle everything that's going on unless I've just been smoking too much. And that's just my personal thing. I'm not saying that's for everybody. But if you're a long time, long time smoker, like every single day use, and you've been doing it for years and years and years since childhood, it's probably affecting you in the same way, whether you want to admit it or not. I know I fucking sure as hell did not want to admit it. I want, did not want to be like, I'm that person. Like these things happen to me too. It's just like, I just wanted to be like, no, it's always fun. It's always a good time, but it's fucking not. So here we go, starting it off with a rant. Um, so yeah. So, and I just get really irritable, like irritable when I am smoking too much and then irritable when I have to like, you know, take a break from it. Cause usually, usually how I realize I need to take a break is because (laughs) there's just like a certain night where I will have this insatiable hunger. I'll eat like everything in my house. And then just wake up the next day feeling like such shit that it's just like, okay, I have to fucking take a break. And I feel so shitty that I just, I I absolutely have to. When I was younger, you would wake up feeling like that and you would just smoke more to feel better. Like not realize that you felt like shit anymore. And then just like eat everything in sight again. Um, I'm an emotional eater. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. You know, if I have a really good buzz, I like to eat. I get the munchies. So I, I often end up feeling like shit in the morning. Um, and a good hangover cure for me as a 41-year-old woman is not to, like, keep smoking when I feel like shit and just keep repeating the cycle. So I'm doing the mature thing. I'm talking about it on my podcast. I'm holding myself fucking accountable because... This shit is fucking crazy. Like, I can't believe I still fall into these fucking bouts with marijuana. But, um, yeah, so I didn't smoke at all yesterday except for a few puffs at like 3.30 in the morning to finally fall asleep. I'm getting no satisfaction from it. That's what I'll say. I'm not doing it to like, yes, I get to smoke a little. It's like fucking, I just need to fall asleep. And fuck, don't you fucking even tell me about melatonin if you... Utter melatonin in an email, in a text, anything, I'll ban you. I'll ban you from the show. Fuck melatonin. If I wanted to feel like I was dying inside of my dreams every single night, yeah, I'd take melatonin and try to get some sleep. But I have the most vivid, terrifying nightmares every time that I take melatonin. I wake up feeling like I was just in Final Fantasy or something and just fucking absolutely insanity absolute insanity fuck melatonin i don't fuck with that shit um and i i feel like anything else is like what what is the what am i gonna do take cough medicine like zequil i think is a yeah zequil i could do that but i feel like it's the same you're you're just trading one for another like then you get hooked on zequil like so i really don't want to go get a medication for this when I can just take a few fucking puffs and fall asleep. Um, yeah, so, uh, still trying to find moderation in that. And, um, the last two episodes I recorded, I was stoned and 
I just sound like a fucking dumbass. You know what I mean? Like, I have no flow. I have no real awareness of what I'm talking about. I, um, it just drifts and there's no energy in it. It's just like, it just sucks all of my dreams from me. That's what I feel marijuana does for me at this point in my life. If I enjoy it too much, if I have too much of a good time, it sucks all of my willpower and all of my dreams and all of my fight from me and just makes me like this scared, timid, little fucking shit. You know what I mean? Again, it's not going to resonate for everybody, but I know that there is someone out there listening who's like, fuck, I have the same fucking cycle with this shit and it's crazy. And I'm not even saying like, I'm, I'm going to quit forever. That's not possible. It's not possible for me to say I'm going to quit it forever. But also I'm just very frustrated with it. I'm very frustrated with it at this point in my life. And I'm frustrated that with myself that I can't find fucking moderation in these aspects of my life still, still. But anyway, hi, welcome to the show. Uh, here we go. Third attempt at this episode. I don't fucking care what this sounds like. This is the one going out. I'm not recording another episode. So this is exciting. Aren't we excited? <laughs> Aren't we excited? Really? Um, no matter how much uh, progress you make in getting your own shit together, there, there's still always going to be something. There's always going to be something. As long as you continue to give a fuck about things that, that are happening in the world, it's always going to be a burden. It's always going to be a burden to give a fuck. That's, that's, I, I, I could put that on my tomes, tombstone. Not that I want to actually, like, if I do die, I mean, I'm going to die. But if I die and no one gives a shit, at least give a shit about this. I don't want to take up space in the ground. I want the cheapest possible funeral. I want the cheapest. If you could find a way to incinerate me yourself so you don't even have to pay for that, or like grind me up in a wood chipper. I don't know what the laws are. I don't know what you can actually get away with, but do not spend money on, do not spend a fucking dime on my funeral. I will be, wherever you go when you die, I will be there like cursing you, cursing you if you spend money on me when I'm dead. It's so fucking stupid, like absolutely not. Um, I, I wanna be planted into a fucking tree or something. Like take my ashes and plant me into a tree it's something that takes up zero space, something that doesn't cost anything. Like, who are we kidding here? Like, there's no legacy to live on. I'm not fucking Prince. Like, but plant me in a fucking tree. Who gives a shit? All right. I'm a little irritable today, obviously. Uh, um, I'm trying to find... Oh, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to do this episode because I know that... The last episode I took, I titled Horny No More. Um, I don't know. Can I get a drum roll here? I got horny. I got fucking horny. And I want to tell you about that experience because who, who would I come to first except 
these loyal, loyal fans who continue to listen to this absolute garbage. Um, I did get horny and I wanted to tell you a little bit about that experience, but I also wanted to share how my turn-ons have changed from abstaining from sex and dating. Like looking at, I'm not even going to compare what used to turn me on because it was just so many different things, but specifically the things that turn me on now, now that I haven't been in that arena for so long and I've just kind of really distanced myself from it and just like not at all put any effort into it. My turn-ons have kind of changed and I wanted to share that with you guys. Um, so this is my top turn-ons from celibacy. So I'm going to tell you guys about what turned me on and I'm just going to kind of work it into this list. So, okay, so right at the top of the list, in all caps, it just says, non-threatening men, exclamation point. Um, I don't really know how to describe this. It's more of a feeling when I meet someone or talk to someone and you're just completely non-threatening. This is why I'm often attracted to gay men because there's no threat. And I don't even mean like, it, I, I, okay, here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the next one and see if I can work that in somehow to the first one. Okay, so conversation that doesn't include commenting on my looks or compliments. If we can have a conversation and at no point do you mention something about my body, my appearance, or compliment me, I'm all in on that conversation. As soon as, and I mean like, if you're complimenting like well into the conversation, as long as it's not a starting point, um, or within the first like few minutes of the conversation, that's cool. But if you're starting a conversation with me and it's like, you look like this, or I like this about you, or like, I'm just not, in, I immediately lose interest. I just immediately lose interest because it just doesn't feel genuine to me. So this works into the non-threatening part. And it just means that I can kind of like let down my walls a little bit and not just be on guard about like, okay, when is this dude gonna ask me out or whatever he's trying to like get here? Like when when is it gonna come? Like how much of this conversation do I actually have to endure until he's like, has the balls to ask me out or whatever? So, um, does that make sense? <laughs> okay. All right, so then another thing is, you feel safe being vulnerable with me. Um, and you care about injustice. So this ties into what turned me on recently. And what turned me on recently was I picked up this guy at work um, and I was driving him around. It was probably like a 15 minute ride. And he was really excited. He was talking about like, okay, so first of all, when I picked him up, I kind of stereotyped him as like, 
kind of a, like, I don't know how to describe, okay. If he, <laughs> if, if he had something formal to go to, or maybe on his first date and he's making a good impression, I don't know if everyone's gonna understand this, but he seemed, he came off to me as the type of guy who's wearing a buttoned up flannel that's tucked into his jeans. Does that make, does that resonate with anyone? Um, uh, I've, I've had this happen before. I've had guys I didn't really know that well pick me up for a first date and they're wearing the buttoned up flannel tucked into jeans and I just immediately know it's not gonna work. I just, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Do you if that's you? but I just immediately knew like, oh, it's just so unattractive. Flannels, like I'm a 90s girl. I'm a grunge queen. Flannels are meant to be a little tattered, like not really super nice looking, a little torn, a little worn, a little faded, and they should, I, I, I'll, I'll die on this cross. I'll fucking die on this cross. Flannels should never, be buttoned up ever 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 even if you know you, I don't know wangsters in my school used to do this little white boy gangsters they would do like the very top buttons of the flannel and uh, you're desecrating the flannel if you dare button they shouldn't even put buttons on flannels as far as I'm concerned you're desecrating a flannel if you button it up I will fucking die on this hill and it should never be tucked in. If anything, a girl is wearing it and she has the bottom part tied around her waist or you're wearing the sleeves tied around your waist. You know what I'm saying? Like you can be wearing it as a top and take the bottom little flaps and tie them up at your waist. Like that's acceptable. But a man who tucks in and buttons a flannel, you're automatically, you disgust me. You you fucking disgust me. I'll say it. You disgust me. So, but do you? Do you? You know? Do do you? No hate. Um. Uh. So he was really giving off these vibes, like kind of like a good old boy, a good old country boy, and but he was cute. And he got in the car and he was just talking about like how excited he was because he just got a promotion at work and um, how he got weekends off now and he was like gonna go celebrate it. And he he had good vibes, you know what I mean? Like he seemed pretty chill. He wasn't at all trying to hit on me. And he just starts venting about like the war and how in fucking, I didn't even remember this. I think in Mississippi, they just passed a law or they're trying to pass a law where you can't say racism, which is fucking absurd. I think it's Mississippi, but he was going off about that. And he was like, um, and he's like, yeah. And in Florida, you can't say gay anymore. And just like gets into women's rights. And I'm like drooling, legit drooling because he's not saying what I expect him to be saying, like to look at him. He's not saying these things that I would expect. Like I kind of expected him to like be a Trump supporter. You know what I mean? And he was not that at all. He was actually like, 
had so many different perspectives from both sides. You know what I mean? Like blue and red, like he just had so many different perspectives and he had so many different outlooks. And he was just talking about like what we could do for the war, all this stuff. And he was so fired up, but not like angry, but he was just like passionate about it. And I realized there have been so few instances, honestly, I don't know if any that I've heard like a white man sit here and so passionately and eloquently describe what he's feeling and what could be done about it in the most fair and respectful ways for everybody. Like it was mind blowing for me. And I realized like, this is an experience I've never really had because you know, like, most white men, and I'm guilty of this too, like we're bitching about like, the things we're bitching about are from such a privileged place to bitch about them. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 but he fucking cared, like he cared so deeply and it was so sexy. It was incredibly sexy. And I was like, wow, this is something like, that really turns me on, that really like, and, he would kind of give me this opportunity to respond. And I was just like so dumbfounded and in awe of this dude that I was just like, uh-huh, uh, -huh, uh yeah, like just unleash, like tell me about every injustice that you see, like tell me how much you care because it's so fucking sexy because there are so many dudes who just do not give a shit about like any kind of social issues. And it was just so refreshing it was so refreshing to not just hear some guy like bitching about just the normal mundane things white dudes bitch about and myself, white women. And it was just like fucking refreshing as hell. But that's when I learned, I was just like, this is something I care about. This is really something that turns me on. This is something where if I like, like I would want to have these kind of conversations with a man. Um, and he just like, would just, it was just like, bam, bam, and this, and this, and this, and this, and everything he was saying was just like fucking spot on with how I felt about things. And he got out of the car and it just felt like a flash. I just felt like my fucking life flashed before my eyes. And I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, and I didn't realize it until he got out of my car that I really was turned on by this. And I really thought it was sexy because I just felt like I was having a fever dream the whole time. It was so incredible. Um, but that was something like, I just was just like, fuck, he's so hot. That is so sexy. That is such a huge turn on. So that's something I learned about like what actually really turns me on. Um, after not having sex for so long. Okay, next. Um, you are actively working on yourself. This can be therapy. This can be becoming aware of um, unhealthy cycles in your life and trying to find ways of improving them or progressing on them. Any type of self-work that you're doing it's basically just like you're aware of how you come off to other people and you're trying to create an 
create an environment of yourself that is more accepting of people, more accepting of yourself and finding ways to integrate just, you know what I mean? Like fucking doing the work, doing the work on yourself. You're doing something to better yourself because we all have fucking space to do that shit. Um, <laughs> next, you like or you have cats. Big bonus points if you have cats. I don't even have cats anymore. But big, big bonus points if you have cats. If you like cats, you're awesome. But if you have, if you actually own a cat, you're probably right up my alley because there, there's nothing more easy than getting affection from a dog. Like dogs love everything. Dogs love you just because you feed them. Winning the affection from a cat takes precision, takes patience, takes a very specific... Cats can read you. Cats know when you're bullshitting them. Fucking dogs don't. Dogs are dumb. Dogs are just like, ugh, ugh, you put food in my bowl. Suck my dick. And it's just like, cats, you really have to work to get them to like you. And they're gonna know. Like, cats are fucking crafty. Cats understand things. Cats understand things a lot of humans don't. And they know how to play your ass. They will play you. So if you have a cat that actually likes you, I know that you are on that wavelength of what I'm attracted to. I don't know how else to explain that, but like dog people are so easy. It's so easy to get love from a dog. But like if you have a cat that loves the shit out of you, you're doing something right. Next, <laughs> you have basic survival skills. You could live off the land and you can fix things. Okay, so really you could fix things that's just basically like i can fix things I, there's I, I mean i'm gonna youtube it if i can't fix it like it's so easy i'm just gonna find a way to fix things but if you know how to live off the land i've never gardened i don't know a lot about gardening um i i probably could start a fire somewhere if i had the right thing but like i would like a man who is savvy with that kind of shit, would know how to live off the land, would know how to live off the grid if we needed to. Basic survival skills, like basic, I, I think that's so hot. I'm so turned on by like guys who know how to grow things on their own and maybe like take rainwater and repurpose it. Uh, things like that I find very sexy. Okay. Um, this kind of goes with the next, the previous one. You appreciate nature. You spend lots of times outdoors. Um, I, I love nature. I love being outside. So if you know like how to forage or you know specific types of mushrooms, I'm going to be really interested in that. Like I'm going to be all over that kind of shit. So if you know like certain things about trees, like whatever, anything outdoorsy, anything outside, like you know specific like cool little hiking trails to go to or you know a good camping spot and you can do like you can cook on a fire Ugh. so hot you can cook for me <sighs> i can't believe i didn't put that on the list oh my god that's my only thing you can cook for me <sighs> is there nothing sexier than a dude cooking you like 
I'm not talking about fucking scrambled eggs in the morning. I'm talking like beef bourguignon. <laughs> Is that how you say it? Beef bourguignon. 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 It's like a, a, a good, well thought out, time consuming meal has been prepared for you. I like watching men cook for me. I, I think it's so sexy. There was a guy who cooked for me um, a little while ago, but he would cook like, he was a good cook and he would cook me things and I was, I would just watch him cook. Like he looked fucking hot, but he looked so good making me a meal. And I was just like, oh my God, a man's never made me a meal before. This is so incredibly sexy. That's probably like in my top tier of turn-ons. If you can really cook for me, like something legit. Um, you're passionate about a hobby or creative outlet. Doesn't matter what it is. Um, I would prefer your hobby is not killing people or harming people in any way. That's just kind of my personal preference. Um, but to have something that you're passionate about, to have something that you're contributing creative energy towards, to have something like where you can put any kind of energy into that's going to create something that you're proud of. I'm really into that. Um, next. You are so confident in your manhood that the expression of others doesn't intimidate you. So this basically just means like you're comfortable with your own femininity. You're not um, at all uncomfortable or turned off from like if you see flaming homosexuality or a man in a dress or... Uh, um, a transsexual, uh, like any of that kind of stuff, like none of that makes you uncomfortable or feel weird or question your own manhood or intimidate you. Like if you are totally fine with all of that shit, you know what I mean? Like, and none of that bothers you or affects you, especially if you're comfortable wearing women's clothes. If you can wear a dress every now and then, you know, to have a little fun. I, I'm notoriously attracted to men in dresses. It's always been a thing for me. I think it's sexy. Um, I love someone who's that comfortable in their own sexuality where they can like, uh, like even paint their fingernails or just do like quote unquote girly things and not feel emasculated or uncomfortable in any kind of way. And you can just embrace other people who like to freely express themselves. Fucking hot, fucking hot as hell. Um, you, okay, next. <laughs> you genuinely make me laugh. You genuinely make me laugh. I can't stress genuinely enough because, um, spoiler alert, I'm a recovering fake laugher. Yes, I have been known to fake laugh often in situations where I feel uncomfortable. And if I don't know how to respond to someone, if it really, the situations are endless. Um, I will, I have a great fake laugh and I'm able to fake laugh through any situation. And it's gotten me in trouble a lot of times. It's gotten me into some fights because 
it could be a really serious conversation and I start laughing because that's just my uncomfortable tick. Like that's just like the first thing I go to when I feel like I don't have the answer, I don't know what to do, or I feel uncomfortable, I just start this nervous laugh, this nervous fake laugh. And um, yeah, it's gotten me in some fucking trouble. But uh, if you can genuinely make me laugh, there's nothing sexier than that. There's nothing sexier than that to me because I, I have a very, I just, I like a very specific type of humor and it, you don't always have to fall into that. Like, but if you can just kind of catch me off guard and genuinely make me laugh, I'm all over that. And there was this guy I picked up last week and his English was kind of broken, but he was asking me like, you know, are you single? You know, like, um, do you have kids and all that stuff? And I could tell like, yeah, this is leading, this is leading, like this is going somewhere. You're not just asking me this cause you're curious. So I was like, um, no, I, I'm incredibly happy because I don't have a, a man or kids in my life. And he goes, oh no, you're probably, you're probably just really happy cause you don't have kids. And I was like, no, I think it's, I think it's everything. I think it's because I don't have kids and there's no man in my life. And I, I'm just the happiest I can be. And he was just like, oh, really? He's like, I think you're from another planet. And like his English was so broken. So I was just like getting like bits and pieces. He's like, no, you're from another planet. You're not, he's like, I hope I never meet another woman like you. Like, And I was cracking up because it is just like no man who's trying to pick up a woman wants to hear that. But I knew that was going to be like, fucking, you know, like, do not enter, like, don't even approach the question that you want to ask me because I'm so fucking happy right now. And I'm not willing to ruin that for anybody. He's like, no, I think, I think it's just because you don't have kids. Like, he's like, you need a cholo. You need a cholo because we treat women, women differently. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like you, you guys what appreciate women more. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, well, do you have kids? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got, I got one in Ecuador. I got one in Peru. <laughs> he's just like listing all of these kids he has in different countries. And he's like, but I'm happy like you cause I don't have to see them. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, really? Like you're really trying to tell me that you're different. You treat women differently and you just have kids like scattered all over the world that uh, women are taking care of for you that you're probably not paying child support. Like you didn't even know where a couple of them were. So, and he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm happy like you though. Cause I, I haven't had a woman in six months, but I want a woman, but he's like, but I don't, I don't have to mess with kids either. I don't have to deal with them. He goes, we could, we could take a plane right now. We could take my plane to Florida. And I was just like, you have a plane? <laughs> like what the fuck is happening? Like who in the right mind? <laughs> I was just like, bro, what the fuck? Like, understand what you're saying. And I was just like, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. But I was, that was a genuine laugh because it was just so fucking crazy to me. But he's just like, no, you need a cholo. You need a cholo. And then you can see how women should really be treated. And I was like, bro, oh my God. This is amazing. Okay, next. Okay, so this goes with the first one, but you genuinely make me orgasm. You genuinely make me orgasm. 
uh, spoiler alert, I'm a recovering fake orgasmer. And I'm fucking good, okay? I'm a fucking good, I know like a lot of women say this, but I'm fucking good, man. Like in my, in my heart, in my soul, I'm a performer. I am a performer. I have been since I was a kid. I like to put on a good show. I like to be entertaining. I like to be funny. I like to be thoughtful. I, I put it all out on the line and I give every performance my all. No matter, no matter what, I give every performance my all. And honestly, when I am fake orgasming, it's for me. <laughs> it's more for me because it's more fun. It's like, he's so into it and I want to be into it. And you're not really getting me into it, but I can make myself get there to almost feel like I am having an orgasm. And it's so fun. Like, it's more fun for me than to just sit there and make it totally aware, like, make it totally obvious that you suck at this. It's more fun to me to, like, go fucking crazy and give him a show and make me actually feel like I'm having an orgasm because I can, like, work my body enough into feeling like it and make my breath kind of feel like, like I'm giving such a good performance, I'm almost believing it myself type of deal. And I'm fucking good, man. Like I can do, I, I could do a whole Harry and Sally scene right here, but I'm not, I'm not. That's not, it's not where we're going here today. Okay, but I'm a fucking good performer. So if you can genuinely, trying to think like the last time I had a genuine orgasm. I don't know. We don't have that much time. But um, if you can genuinely make me orgasm, like you care. Uh, there's nothing sexier to me than a man who is like pleasure doms are very sexy to me. Pleasure doms are all about giving you this experience. They don't give a fuck if they come and you'll never find a man like this. But like pleasure doms are all about this kind of stuff. Just like all they want to do, their only joy in life comes from making a woman come over and over and over and finding new ways to make them come and talking about how they can make them come. It's so fucking sexy. It's just like, I love that. Someone who's just so dedicated to putting in the effort, learning what makes women actually come and talking to you openly about things and not like having an open mind. It's just like, what can really, really get you off like what what do you want to do like what can we do here um there's nothing sexier than that to me than a guy who's just all about making you come and like yeah i'll come if i if the opportunity comes but like my main focus my main priority is that you get off as many times as possible genuinely getting off that's fucking hot um okay last one you care about your body this doesn't mean you have six pack abs and all of this stuff. Like, no, I don't even like abs. Honestly, I'm not attracted to abs on men. Um, I think abs on women are sexy as hell. And I know that that sounds sexist, but I can't help what I'm attracted to. I think women with abs and I think women without abs are sexy as fuck. But like, I like the way fairly really defined abs look on women's bodies. On men's, I don't like it. I'm not into it. Um, 
I know that sounds sexist as fuck, but it's just how I, it's just what I'm attracted to. It's just my thing. Um, I like strong, thick boys is how I would put it. Um, I, I like a, I like a very defined upper body, like back, shoulders, chest. I like... I, I, you, I, I like a guy who looks like he's thrown a hay bale or two in his life. You know what I mean? Um, I like pudgy. I like a little pudgy belly. I like a soft belly. I don't like hard abs. I like a soft, squishy belly and a defined upper torso. It doesn't mean like, I don't like super muscular, but like when you bring your arm up and your bicep flexes and I can see that definition and I can see the definition in your back and your chest, that's fucking sexy as hell. I don't care about anything else. Like everything else can be like, whatever, fat, but I like a defined upper body. Like, like I said, like you've thrown a hay bale or two in your time. All right, so that, <laughs> that wraps up my top turn-ons. I know you guys are all dying to know my top turn-ons from being a celibate woman um, and never thinking about sex or <laughs> ever getting horny, but I did get horny. So uh, mark that on the roster. I've gotten horny once. And um, yeah, so this is going to be the final episode. We're putting this one out. Uh, lump it or like it, as my mom used to say. This is the one that's going up. Hope you had a real fun time at the show. Um, yeah, and I'll talk to you soon. We'll see what else comes out. We'll see what comes out for next week. What, I, I'm just, it's, 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 it, I'm just, let's get this over. All right. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.